Hello and welcome to another episode of Casting Views, the general topic podcast that takes a topic each week and casts views. This week I've got a very, very, and I'll add another very in there, very special guest with me. I've got Leo Allen from The Voluntary Input. Hi Leo. Hello Dan. Uh, I'm afraid you put too many varies on there now. I don't know if I can live up to everyone uh, everyone's expectations, but <laughs> thanks for having me on. <laughs> It was a while since I had you on last. I can't remember if you reached out to me by email or I reached out to you, but I, I had this specific list of topics and I thought this one, if I needed to get you on, this one would be perfect for you. I think you reached out to me and, and it's funny because when you did, I was thinking about a lot of the things you were saying you wanted to talk about. So I think I'm always thinking about this stuff though, because that's just me. <laughs> and as always with me, I think I've picked a topic to have you on where you're going to know far more than me. So I reckon 95% of this is going to be you and 5% will be me just listening. <laughs> now, now to be clear, it's all smoke and mirrors. You know, I, I tend to pass on information from other people because, you know, a lot of times, even with voluntary input, I, I'm more of a pundit than an expert. I always look to experts for the things that I, you know, to, to form my opinions and to pass on things that I think are relevant. Let's just put it yeah, that way. And, I don't claim I, to be a genius. <laughs> so. Well, and I, I'm neither a pundit nor an expert, but I just like talking about things and I can talk a lot about <laughs> a lot of things. So, yeah. I think that actually, I think that's more accurate of me too. <laughs> now that you put it that way. But before we get stuck into it, you, you well, you're keeping well? Yeah, doing well, doing well. Had some, uh, you know, had some bumps along the way. You know, that's life. Um, that's what put voluntary input on hiatus until, you know, we never know what the future holds. You know, I still maintain my website and I still, I, I actually have always dabbled in a lot of music. So I still, I still do that. And actually I have some, if people are interested, I, we could talk about that later. If people want to go check some of that stuff out too. I do have a habit of forgetting because I get carried away with the conversation. But yeah, if I don't say it, remind me at the end and we'll, we'll make sure we'll give everything there a plug. Tell you what, before we get stuck into it, let's hear from some friends of both of us, actually. And it's the Talking Smack Pod. Do you love comics, movies, video games and more? We do too. Join me, Josh Scar, and my cast of colorful co-hosts on Talking Smack. Look for our yellow and red icon on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Good Pods, and other podcast players. Right, and we're back. So, Leo, robots, that's the subject this week. It's funny that uh, the break there was for talking smack because uh, <laughs> Josh Scar, I know he's really big into to stuff like this too. So, <laughs> but I haven't told him that. Actually, I think I, I let them know just before I've come come on. So I wait to see how many DMs I've got from him having to go at me afterwards. <laughs> but but no, I've got him lined up for two episodes. He's got his um, agenda ready. So, but yeah, robots. And I think when I was saying to you, I, I probably confused you. I sent you about 10 emails because I was having that inner monologue with myself, but on email <laughs> to you <laughs> um, about, I think nowadays, robots, robotics kind of gets intermingled and associated with all like the sciences doesn't it so ai as well and i wasn't sure whether to bring ai in or if you can separate it but yeah i'm happy for this conversation to go where you want but what do you think about that well i do believe that there is this 
mistake and it it it's not just ai i think this happens in general with anything that's hot button topic at the moment it tends to get convoluted with everything else because to be honest for the most part robotics and artificial intelligence are still uh separate from one another and the reason why i say that is for example you know robots have actually been around a while now ai has been around a while too and a lot of people don't realize that but the the uh you know the uh people have pretty much gotten comfortable with the use of robots now i remember before and i know even people older than than me can remember when the whole robotics boom was just being talked about and just like with ai there were all these fears you know the biggest one being loss of jobs because especially in auto manufacturing, you know, that's a, that's a big segment of, I don't know if it's that big anymore, but it used to be a big segment of the American uh, economy was automobile manufacturing. Well, one of the first thoughts was, hey, we could put robots on the assembly line. And then, so of course, a lot of people freaked out. Well, we'll lose our jobs. We'll lose our jobs. What actually happened is, and this is kind of the point of AI as well, is that these robots are doing jobs that either are dangerous for humans or are jobs that people don't really want to do, but are necessary. Yeah, absolutely. And I did get like a timeline of robots and reference to robots. And like you said, been around a while. I think the first literary reference to it was actually in 1900. So that's how long we're talking about yeah. robots or the concept of robots. But I just wanted to pick up what you said up there about yeah, that I think the number one thing people think about when they think about robots is absolutely job job security and, and a lot of jobs. And it's quite ironic. Last week I did a course, a professional course for work, and it was last refreshed in 2019. So it's a few years old, but it's a, it's a set of guidelines rather than it being something specific to um, the profession. But in it, they discuss the emergence of AI, you know, they're talking about big data, advanced analytics, robot learning, etc. And one of the things they say is that, you know, people should understand it's not about taking jobs away, but giving employees the opportunity to work on more interesting tasks or more complex tasks and let the robots do or the 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 learning, the 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 algorithm, the AI do the more menial, time consuming stuff. And that should be the approach. I mean, it's a tool. Um, robots are tools. So one thing I always like to do, and we were talking about this just before we started recording is I like to try to talk people down off the edge and, you know, people, they just freak out about how, you know, everything it's always, they're going to take over. That's always the fear. Humans have this fear of blank is going to take over. And it was the same thing with robots. The robots are going to take over. And of course you have, the science fiction movies, the robots are taking over, the robots get smart, they decide to rebel against humans, and then they take over. And, but, and tabloids, right? And, and tabloids. the tabloids. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but then I like to remind people that, again, today, right now, as we speak, there are several robots, different types of robots that are just basically part of our society now, and people don't even think about them anymore. Uh, one, so I, I pulled up a few examples just because, you know, that's just how I am. Uh, and I can get you these links of some of the things that I was looking at. So for example, there's a, a company called, um, 
and I know I'm always pronouncing their name wrong, but I try. They're called Fanuc. It's F-A-N-U-C, America, and they're out of Michigan. And what they do, they manufacture all types of robots. A lot of them, I mean, they're for, they're for industry. They're manufacturing robots. And they even have a facility just basically about five miles from where I live. Okay. And I have a friend that actually works for them. He does the, a lot of the programming for these robots. And, and again, we're going to get back into that fuzzy area of AI and robots because as long as there have been robots, there has also always been AI. If, if you got to you got to think about it conceptually as this, someone writes a program of a robot and tells the robot, Hey, you pick up a box, you put it over here to the left, you pick up a box, you put it over here to the left and it's repeated. Now, what if something goes wrong? Well, you have to tell the robot, what do you do if something goes wrong? Or you also have to tell the robot the box is here and how far is it from here? That's essentially machine learning. AI. It's, the, it's all the same, but again, just the way humans are. Oh, what if they take over? It's going to start thinking. It's not going to start thinking. It's following a set of instructions that was given to it by humans. Yeah. And that's, that's how I had it in my head. And, and yeah, I was waiting to, to even be corrected or told, but yeah, to, to me, robotic robot is something that is doing something it's been told to do rather than it going off and like you said, conquering the world or or plotting to conquer the world behind people's backs. <laughs> right. Like you said, I think people, we are just inherently programmed, which is an ironic word to use, I guess, for the subject. I think <laughs> we are ironically programmed to fear everything or to to push our to push our insecurities onto other things, right? And we're Absolutely. better than in, yeah. in, in inanimate or whether it is inanimate, but yeah, an inanimate object, you know, it's um we we put our failings elsewhere, don't we? Absolutely. And again, there's always, you know, there can be bad things. Yes. But again, I always try to highlight the positive to talk people down off the ledge. Another example I have is here in I'm in Cincinnati, Ohio, there's a hospital. It, it's more like a group called TriHealth. And one thing that they're really known for is medical robots. Now, when you hear that, of course, your mind may wonder to like Star Trek. Oh, there's a, uh, there's a, a, a robot that's doing med you know, medical surgery on me or whatnot. Uh, no, it's not that at all. There are doctors who control these apparatuses and they're robots. And this stuff is amazing. They're doing surgery. They can do, uh, they call it, there's some no cut surgeries they can do using robots. Okay. Wow. Yeah, they yeah. just control them with like a little joystick. Yeah, and, and look everything else, all the dangerous things like they use for, for police, you know, like bomb disposal, etc. Those are things that people were doing, but should people be doing them? Or, you know, if, if something was to go wrong in those scenarios, you know, it's probably better that people aren't involved in that situation. Or could the emotion at the time make a person do it incorrectly? I mean, you see, we police forces use them. We have military robots. And again, people now initially when these conversations were had about these robots, the same fears were in place. They're going to, you know, something bad is going to happen. But there is a truth about that applies not only to robots, but also to AI. And that is, 
I'm going to say this now. I was going to kind of save this for the end so I could try to sound real smart, smart. (laughs) (laughs) But the bottom line truth is people talk about fearing robots, fearing AI, when the truth is, whenever you hear of bad things happening, what is the one thing, the one constant when there's a bad thing that happens with a robot and nowadays you hear all these bad things that's going on with AI, for example, like the fake, what is, was it? Fake Drake and the weekend music videos. There's a uh, deep fake. And- yeah. The deep fakes of, there was one for Jay-Z. There's one for Snoop Dogg. I heard the other day, but what's the one constant in those things? People falling for it or gullible people? No, the people making them. It's people. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So the AI, the AI isn't evil. The robots aren't evil. It's, the people <laughs> people are making them do these things so my fear i don't have fear of this stuff because i know I, personally i'm more afraid of people than i'm afraid of ai let's put it that way because the ai can't do anything that a person hasn't told it i think you're right i think people make me fear this technology in the sense of people looking at something often can't see past what they're looking at and just uh, but but then that that's always been the case with headlines like we mentioned tabloids and and you know to use that that term now that I don't like hearing but fake news that kind of thing people you can't stop people falling or or believing things or not doing their own research into things you'll never stop that we will always keep pushing the boundaries of what we can achieve can't we with technology and we always should but yeah you're right it, it needs us but but people will say but yeah we'll make them but then they'll take over and, and they'll, they'll rise up against us. That's that's the whole thing, like you said, in sci-fi. That's what sci-fi is built on, right? That's the whole history of, of, of sci-fi. It's always the same thing, isn't it? We've made something that we can't control. But yeah, I keep I, well, I keep saying, sorry, I keep saying it in them. Why do we always think that the worst of things? Why these robots? They might want peace. They might want to sort of have a beer with us and and you know play some cards right. with us, have, have have a movie night. No, we always have to think they're going to take our jobs. They're going to they're, they're going to murder us. They're going to you know control. They might just want to have fun. And it's funny what the message the message people should walk away from with all those things. Even like in the movie War Games, remember that? Remember the computer, yes, the Whopper? Yeah. It wasn't that. It was the problem was these computers realized that the problem is people. So why don't we look at that first? <laughs> it's not that the computers are the problem. It's us. Like I said, from the beginning, we're the problem. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think I've said on a, on another podcast, I was on that, you know, and obviously I'm not saying that sort of the advancing robotics or technology hasn't had an effect on workforce in areas, but I do believe it, it does mean that though we are just adapting and shifting where kind of what workforce is now. But I think we've always had forces acting on it, whether it be economical, political, geographical. I think we as a workforce, and I'll say, I'll say it's workforce rather than people, have always probably had to adapt what we do. I mean, for a start, when technology came in, you know, it, there was a whole boom in people being employed for coding, developing yeah. um, and, and working in IT. And so it's just we will always adapt, won't we? I mean, you can go back as far as the Industrial Revolution. Jobs yes, yeah, were yeah. lost, but jobs were gained. There, like you said, there's an adaptation period that has to happen. I mean, even back when, you know, farming was everyone's way of life and everything was done manually. Well, then over time, machines were invented. And then the machines could plow the fields. Now, of course, at first it started with, well, you had to have a horse to pull the machine 
But even that was still more efficient and still more helpful. And humans were doing less and less. Well, then it got to the point where, well, we don't need the horses anymore now because now we have the combustion engine that can, you know, be self-contained and we can drive it and steer it and plow at the same time. And then, and then you fast forward to now, I mean, there are John Deere tractors out there, those big giant behemoths of things that look like houses on wheels. They can drive themselves with GPS. Now a person doesn't even really have to be there to farm it in the middle of the night. But again, I still live by that old rule of technology that technology is created to enhance human life, not to replace it. And I don't think, I know people say, well, you can't see the future. I don't ever think there's going to be a point where humans won't have to be involved. Yeah, we'll see a point where the robots will be manufacturing more robots. Actually, they're doing that now. But the humans still have to be there to say, this is what we need now. We need this next. Or, and I don't think the robots can, they're not. The thing is, even AI, it's not deciding to do anything. It's not thinking about anything. It, it, you know, it's not making things up. Someone is prompting it. And it's going out to readily available human-generated information and just reconstructing it. The company that owns it can always pull the plug on it at any point, right? At any point. Or they can use it for evil. So once again, we're back to square one. The problem is not the AI. The problem is the people <laughs> behind it. Yeah, so. and, and it's funny. And a couple of things in what you just said. Yeah, I wanted to go back because I was thinking at the time, yeah, did the horses worry when the car came along and we're, we're horses trying to stop people from driving cars you know? I, I always like to we think horses, horses were like, i think horses were like oh my gosh thank god get them off of my back literally we still have horses yeah and kind of on on what you were just saying i guess it is to be seen if robots and ai continue to proliferate and grow exponentially it's more what we going to do in and around that and what services are going to crop up out of it i mean completely different subject for another day another podcast but the world is always changing yeah sometimes you know too fast maybe not enough it is going to be what do we do next and i think that's the key thing yeah if you can see the future brilliant but if not we we as like i said we've always gone along for the ride and we've always had to adapt we are doing what the ai we, we're worried about the ai i think that that's going <laughs> to change and learn and do but that's what we do right yeah we, i mean you we have to and the, the bottom line is this stuff isn't going anywhere and lately there's this there's been this saying that people like to say in reference to ai is right now is the worst ai is going to be it's only so basically it's only going to continue to get better so Instead of fearing it, that's what I don't like. All these headlines about, oh, how terrible this is, what it's going to do to people, how it's going to take over. Blah, blah. No, I think that the, that's, that's the wrong conversation to have. The conversation to have is, once again, who's building this stuff and what are their intentions? Yeah. You know, So when Google talks about, hey, we're making this new AI, okay, that's Google and what are their intentions? And do we have transparency behind these people that are building these things? And what are some checks and balances that can be in place when they start behaving badly? And the truth of the matter is there's always going to be bad actors, you know, with every new piece of technology, there's no such thing as, oh, it's only for good. Yeah, it was in, it was built under good intentions, but someone's going to get a hold of it and do something bad. And like you were talking about, like the deep fake stuff, that's a perfect example 
of misuse of it. So I wonder if people's fear of AI is more that it can be in the hands of Joe Public, whereas robotics probably is slightly less. I mean, you can you can obviously put a robot together, but to do something mass, you know, or, or mass produce, you can't. You need a a company, a corporation, you need funds, whereas AI can be in the hands of anyone. Uh, maybe years from now, but I don't think the the AI that's like readily available to general society, it's not good enough for for those fears to be founded. So for example, those deep fakes that were made from like Drake in the weekend, that wasn't someone putting in prompts in chat GPT. There was a lot of work that went into that, that they don't really, no one's really talking about. And there takes a lot of resources. There was also a lot of editing that happened. Um, yeah, it sounds real, but that wasn't something that was just generated in 15 minutes. That took some, some work and some time. And most people don't have the resources that the people who put that together have available to them. So will that ever, will that ever be a point where you can be sitting in your bedroom and go, Hey, I'm going to make a Snoop Dogg song. And all I got to do is go to this website and put in some lyrics. Who knows? Probably about 50 to a hundred years, but I don't think that, yeah, you can't do that right now. You know, so. And it's interesting because I, I actually dabbled at time of recording for the first time looking at, oh, I can't remember which one, but one of the AI writing applications. And I got it to try just do a summary of a local football side I like. And it started off really well. And then as it went on, it was mixing that team up with one of our rivals. And I was thinking, if I put that out or if somebody was reading that, they wouldn't they wouldn't last very long if you know in public if they were trying to Yeah. And it, it was just amazing. And it's like, you know, it was perfectly formulated, you know, formed and formulated and and words. But it was just, yeah, as it went on, it's like it paused, must have taken a couple of drinks and then decided to carry on. (laughs) Well, what that shows you is an example of what's true about all of them. And this is another thing that I and other people keep trying to remind people of things. These, the chat GPTs, the Google Bard or whatever, they're doing what you could do on your own. You could just Google all that stuff. The amazing part, that they, the amazing function that they do have is that um, conversational, you know, that output they give you. So for example, if you just Google about your favorite team, you're going to get all of these webpage results about different things about the team. Well, what these, these new things are doing is they're actually parsing all that information and just making it conversational for you. So you don't have to look at all the links. It's just trying to compile them all together for you. But when you get those wrong results, and those mixtures of information, what that should tell you is that actually someone out there on the internet put some incorrect information out there. Someone else did that, and all it did was it just grabbed it and threw it in the result that it gave you. So, you know, when people talk about misinformation, yeah, misinformation is already out there. There's all kinds of stuff on the internet that's already wrong because people put it out there. There's Wikipedia pages. Now, Wikipedia does a great job of, you know, vetting information. You know, there's volunteers and whatnot that do it, but there's still stuff out there that's just wrong about people. So when these chatbots are scraping for information to give you your returns, they often come across that wrong stuff that people have already put out. So, <laughs> Yeah, well, we often see like this with either sport teams or certain celebrities, people quickly race to, to amend their Wikipedia page. And if you happen to look at it at that time and aren't fully aware of that person, you may believe, you know, those false facts that people have put on. It's, 
it's, I think that's what's going to be interesting because, you know, the, the thing I've been reading recently, are students going to use it to cheat at their dissertations? Are people going to be putting out these fake CVs out there? And with the CV ones, I'm like, well, if you're getting an AI to write it and it's false, you're going to get found out pretty quickly in the job. I mean, it's a shame because the company's then spent a lot of money on the recruitment process, et cetera, and you probably stopped somebody right. else going for that. But you're going to get found out if you can't do the role. For universities and, and colleges, I'm sure they've got software that probably can can find if something's been created with AI. But like you said, actually, you raised a pretty good point. In the end, are most people going to Google their things nowadays? I mean, gone are the days when I was at college and uni, you had to look at books and get books out of a library. Right. And, and, actually and you had to write those citations. <laughs> yeah, yes. <laughs> Here's the funny part about that to me is because I've heard a lot of conversation about that, too. And I think a lot of professors and teachers, even at the high school level and, you know, grammar school level, have actually taken the approach of, well, we're not going to ban it and we're not going to say that students can't use it. But again, this brings me back to the point I made earlier. It's a tool. For example, there's a show that I love to listen to that they talk about uh, Android products all the time, new stuff coming out, blah, blah. And sometimes they want to reference the old things. And one of the hosts was talking about using, uh, I think he was talking about chat GPT and he would never use it before. He goes, but you know, we do this show all the time. And oftentimes I have to talk about the specs and, you know, put that in the show rundown and blah, blah. And he's like, and I just have this thing where I have to go out and get the specs. Yada. He's like, then I thought, why don't I just tell this chat bot to tell me for example, what are the specs for the Pixel 7 Pro? And it returned the information to him. So again, he used it as a tool not to replace his job, but to cut out a piece of menial work that he does over and over and over again. He just didn't want to yeah. go and, and then, you know, he fact checked it and, and it was correct because it's easy for, you know, anybody or anything to go out and find the spec sheets of a, like a phone or a, a camera. So in that case, it, it's very simple to use that as a very highly efficient tool. And when it comes to students using it, I'm starting to think that may be more work for them than just doing the regular work. Because now, now, not only do you have to have this thing write this essay for you, you got to go back and fact check it. And then you got to yeah. recorrect it. Because it's going to give you some wrong stuff before you turn it in. Where, whereas you could have just done the work and then you would have been finished. Well, well that's it. So in my <laughs> head, my example of just doing a brief, I asked, uh, I asked it for a five minute. I think I used Bard. So is that, that's the Microsoft? No. Uh, Bard is Google. Google, sorry, yeah. I've been using it lately just to, you know, kick it around anyway, you know. <laughs> yeah, so I'm thinking if it got a simple thing wrong, it, or, or sorry, it got something wrong in a simple request, if you're... A, you know writing a dissertation and it's a complex subject then more for you if you then aren't proofreading it so if you right. are proofreading it you're going to get found out straight away if you exactly. are proofreading it then you are then demonstrating that you understand the subject matter and then you will you must have a knowledge of it because you wouldn't want to hand in something talking about abc when you should have been writing about d e and f and you know your analogy it is just a tool that is key. So I remember growing up, my dad used to say, oh, you youngins now use computers for everything. In my day, it was pen and paper. Yeah. And now they're using AI and robotics for, for things that maybe when I was a kid, we didn't use. I mean, 
it was handwriting. It was it was all handwriting. Then ty- you had typewriter. Then you had word processors. Then you had um, right the laptops. And then, like I said, I alluded to having to go to the library and look at encyclopedias. Then the wonderful when Carter came out on the old PCs years ago, <laughs> and and now it is Google and Wikipedia, isn't it? And we just take those as everyday. You know, we don't think about those, but those are just as probably disruptive in terms of education and document creation than Bard and ChatGPT are. And then, like I said, I wonder if it is, if it's really quote unquote easier, especially if it's something that's a bit more detailed, because you do, you're going to have to spend a lot of time going back and proofreading and fact checking. Whereas you could have just done the research, the quote unquote unfashioned, old fashioned way yourself did grammar correction or whatnot. And then you would have, you're already finished, but now you've made this AI generate something that you're going to have to go through the whole thing and make sure it's all right. So was that really easier? Yeah. (laughs) So that's my question nowadays for people. (laughs) I wonder if people's probably gripe with it is more that, yeah, they're not having necessarily to put in all the legwork for it. The the end result, they probably are going to have to check and recheck. But it, again, it's that in my day, I had to study, you know, I had to read mm-hmm. for a week and write for another week. And now you just type a sentence. It's almost like people are working harder to try not to do their work than if they had have just done the work from the beginning. Yes. <laughs> that's that's yeah. my impression nowadays. It's like, because, yeah, you you might as well have just... Just uh, just do your own homework. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I want to also look at where we think it kind of may go as well. I'm just looking here. I've got some dates I want to pull out as well. And, and like I said, I, it, it just amazed me. And it shouldn't do, but it did amaze me how far back things are going uh, in terms of robots. So the term robot was first used in 1920, which, you know, is just over 100 years ago where it was first coined. We're talking about AI now. Robots were being bandied around in 1920s. Wasn't that in a book? I, I remember that, but I can't remember. I can't remember the first person who is credited well, it was used in a with play by a Czech. A play. Yeah, and I'm not going to pronounce that name. And then 1927, you had Metropolis. The, yeah, you know, then it was Metropolis. Metropolis. Yeah. Yep. Then big one, actually, we could probably talk about 1941-42, Isaac Asimov formulated the laws of robotics. First law was a robot may not injure a human being or through inaction <laughs> allow a human being to come to harm. And again, I'm going to stop you right there because there's that whole thought of, well, they're going to start thinking for themselves, so we better put some rules in place. Yeah, and, and people worry about this now, but we've got to remember this was in 1941, 1942. This was in science fiction. But we're fiction. still this worried was... about it. It's yeah, the exactly. same thing, right? I know, that's it. It's someone trying to scare, you know, we're not scared people, but trying to get tap into that fear of people. But now we've had them probably around us for 40-odd years, and we're still, we're still we're worried still, about it. We're afraid to make sure it knows it can't hurt us. <laughs> The second law is a robot must obey the orders given it by human beings, except where such orders would conflict with the first law. The first order, yeah, yeah, yeah. So again, we're saying a robot's going to do what you tell it to. And the third law, but I've got, there's some additions. This is, I didn't realize about the additions. The third law is a robot must protect its own existence as long as such protection does not conflict with the first or second law. So there's a lot of basically just making sure it doesn't hurt humans in that. So it felt like he was really hedging his bet not to scare people too much. Right. It's funny. I wonder how many people who are listening to this episode are going, wait, that was in that Will Smith movie, I, Robot. Yeah. yeah. Well, 
because this is where they got it from, folks. Yeah, just, in yeah. case you didn't know, that was actually a factual thing. So <laughs> he did add a zero zero laws like a zero law uh, and that is a robot may not harm humanity or by inaction allow humanity to come to harm which to me it still sounds like an amalgamation of the above that means that they're not allowed to mount a massive takeover and if there's any threat to humanity the robots right, okay. are to defend humanity above all else that's what that boils down to well, this was it and there was a chap who introduced two new ones um so again it's been patched the these these laws of uh, amendments if you will amendments <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah some dlc if you're in the gaming world <laughs> it was, um, yes. mark rottenberg president and executive executive director of the electronic privacy information center and professor of information privacy law at georgetown law argues the laws of robotics should be expanded to include the following of a fourth one under which a robot must be able to identify itself to the public and a fifth law dictating that a robot must be able to explain to the public its decision-making process. Oh, you know what that's all about, right? I was bet it? that was because of the rise of, there's a lot of these videos out there and there's more and more coming of these more realistic looking robots with facial expressions. Okay. That's when we're going into Android territory, right? Um, yeah. But I yeah. bet that's why. And, you know, I, I, I'll give him credit. He's smart for throwing that in there because that is important. Because, um, yeah, what do we? What happens when we get to the point where they're more realistic looking like the synthetics from, um, oh, my gosh, I just, I just blanked on it. And this is one of my favorite movies with Harrison Ford. Blade Runner. Blade Runner, yes, thank you. So what happens when they get that realistic, you know, they have yes. to identify yeah. themselves. Otherwise, you wouldn't know because it just looks like another person. Yeah, I think we've got a bit of time to go for that. And those final two laws absolutely make sense. But something I read, and I, I didn't put it down here, so I'm just trying to remember it. Something I read where they criticized the laws, the original laws, because, you know, it was all about don't harm humans, don't let harm come to humans. They said... You might just end up with robots then just scouring the planet trying to find a human in harm so it doesn't actually do what it was intended to do because it wants to prevent harm to humans so he's just wandering the earth <laughs> kind of <laughs> kind of like a, a a robot superhero just trying to find where there's harm happening and um, rather than doing the car well, manufacturing it's supposed to <laughs> i think that's just that's that's uh taking liberties on what that actually was talking about i, I think it was more about make sure um a robot can't contradict its programming. Yeah. So for example, yeah. if, a, if a robot is programmed to put doors on a car on an assembly line, but then that robot just gets mad at the person standing there for whatever reason, it can't yeah. contradict its programming and say, you know, I'm not going to put this door on. Instead, I'm going to rip this guy's head off. So <laughs> <laughs> I think that's, you know, that's the kind of thing that I think they were, he was thinking about yeah. originally was, you know, the robot just can't, yeah, okay. You, I can see, yeah, the robot wants to play superhero, but I don't think it was intervening between humans hurting each other because it doesn't specifically say that. No, but I just I just loved when I read <laughs> it. I just had this image of these robots, like, you know, just scouring the earth like superheroes, you know, like Superman. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, we do have military robots and drones, but they don't really, <laughs> they're more, you know, they're human controlled. Like that's point-to-point -point controls so it's not like they're programmed to go out and fight battles yet 
<laughs> uh, yeah, and I might come on to that. Well, I will come on to that. But just just sticking in the past just a little longer, I've got 1970 was the first robot capable of reasoning about its surroundings, um, created in by the Stanford Research Institute. 1973, German-based company KUKA built the world's first industrial robot. Actually, I'm going to scoot on to 94 just to say something like you said earlier, you know, about the good that we get from it. And in 94, it was the creation of the CyberKnife, which I think is now used in like some cancer treatments. It used system integrated image guiding surgery, kind of like what you were saying earlier. So, right, right. Yeah. And that's kind of a really brief timeline up to the present. And something. Don't say Boston Dynamics. Well, no, I was going to say, well, they, they feature in a story because I was going to say they are probably the most well-known. Well, over here, they're going to be the most well-known. Well, I'm going to ask you, I'll ask you this because I have a theory about this. What do you think is, why do you think people are so terrified of the robots that Boston Dynamics keeps putting out video examples of? What do you think is so terrifying about them? And I have a theory of what's so terrifying about them. I want to hear what you think. What I see, what the conversation I have, people just don't like seeing them almost have human-like qualities, like their limbs and the movement. I think that's what it is. It, it creeps people out. I, that's my experience anyway. Yeah, That's it. I think that's exactly it. They move too well. Yes. Most people yeah. think of robots, they think of those choppy movements, or even the ones that move relatively smoothly like the assembly line robots well people don't think of those doing anything else except that one task yes, but now yeah. boston dynamics they're making these dogs that they just move so smoothly and i think that just it creeps people out doesn't it and yeah. i love the videos when it shows the guys kicking them and they can recreate you know they can uh recorrect themselves in real time quickly and smoothly and it's just, it's like, it's almost too lifelike for people. I think that's the, that's the problem. Yeah. Cause if you think about it at the end of the day, they're still just robots, like robots we've already seen. They're just moving better. <laughs> yeah. Cause I think the one I've seen, there was one sort of like jumping upstairs and then moving the boxes and yes. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. Well, the yeah. guy and told him, told it to go get his toolbox. That was on the top of a platform. Right. Okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and like I said, yeah, I'd be lying if, if you were to say to me, name a, a yeah, robotics company, that would be probably the only one initially would come to, cause, come to mind because they have, um, you know, they've done a really good job of, of marketing in terms of like the YouTube videos and the viral videos. It's, it is amazing. Now, the story I had them in, again, it only came out a couple of weeks ago that it's like New York Police Department looking to bring robots back out so i don't know <laughs> had you heard this story or do you know much about this story yeah and they're gonna fight a pretty uphill battle at this point um because unfortunately police forces and technology they haven't had a good run so far um and it's really mainly just because of the problem of policing in general. Um, I know you heard the stories about facial recognition technology. It, I, I don't, it's going to be a long time before that's brought back to policing, general policing. Um, they had a similar problem with robots. One problem is just the profiling aspect of it, where you can send in a robot with wrong information 
at least with a human police officer, you still have a chance that the police officer can stop and reason and say, wait, this isn't right. With a robot, you don't have that chance. Once that robot is commanded to do something, unless you have someone behind it who's also going to stop it, you're going to run into bigger problems. You know, police forces in general, this is going to be a problem. I think they tr they trial ran something like this once before, and they immediately had that problem. Was So let's say, for example, the police say, we have a warrant for the arrest of this big drug dealer. Yes, of course, this person should be arrested and apprehended. And let's say, you know, we don't want to send police officers in there because for one, you know, humans make noise as much as they're trained and try not to. They make noise. They can alert the person that they're coming accidentally. And two, we don't want the officers getting hurt. You know, we do want police officers to go home to their families. Well, you program a robot with this set of commands of, okay, this person we know is in this house, go in and get him. What if the command has the wrong address? And we have this, we keep having this problem with human officers. We just had two incidences where unfortunately, I think at least one person lost their life over it. But again, at least with the human element, because the incident that just happened, at least one of the officers said, wait, I think the house is across the street, but unfortunately they proceeded anyway. But with the robot, you're not going to have that chance unless someone's right there in real time to stop it. So on the one hand, yeah, it would be a great tool. But on the other hand, uh, they're going to have an uphill battle, especially here in the States. There's a lot of, um, you know, they're going to run into a lot of um, basically human rights issues with implementing those things. Yeah, I mean, from what I understand, I think they're looking at introducing two one is like a, a tall egg looking one, which is just technically, and I'm doing air quotes here, um, like patrol, but I think it's just looking, yeah, you know, I don't know if it's supposed to be for misdemeanors or what have you. And the other was like a dog that's going to be used for hostage situations. It, it's going to be more like a, a communication or a video surveillance and audio for hazardous or dangerous situations. It'd be interesting to see what comes out of that. Yeah, if it's just for surveillance, I wouldn't have a problem with that. The problem is if it's going to act beyond that, that's where you're really going to run into some civil, civil, civil liberty issues. Yeah, so let's have a look. It's called DigiDog is the second one. Right. $75,000 yeah. robot. Let's have a look. It's, yeah, it's outfitted with a spot cam IR, which adds a thermal camera and two-way audio into the mix. It can open doors and manipulate objects. Spot isn't doing autonomous patrol work yet. The NYPD says it will be used for high-risk incidents like hostage situations and hazardous material inspections. So basically a job similar to a bomb robot. Right, right, yeah. Yeah, I think it's going to be interesting because it does feel like, you know, and without wanting to, to kind of bring Robocop into it, but it does feel like sort of policing and military would be a natural fit or on paper would seem a natural fit for wanting to integrate robotics into it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Now bomb situations and they already have, they already use those for, you know, going into situations where there's potentially an explosive. Um, I think our local police have those. I've seen them on the news before where there's potentially an explosive and they'll send the robot in first. And it just, it mainly just has a camera on it. And I think it may have an arm to retrieve it, but because the fact is if the bomb goes off, well, you just lost that $75,000 robot and not a human life. So 
And that's a great application for that sort of thing. I think that's. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see what it does uh, in terms of, sorry, what it does above and beyond the existing robot in that scenario. Um, and the other one is an X-shaped robot, has no appendages, and is mostly just a ball of sensors, has a 360-degree camera system, thermal camera. It can autonomously patrol an area, detect people, and recognize license plates. And although it has facial recognition, being assured that it will not be used. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so it's a Pokemon ball. <laughs> yeah. And as a wheeled robot, it can only access ADA compliant areas via ramps. I'm not sure what ADA is. Mm, no. Watch your space. Watch your space. <laughs> or, or, yeah. So is it like the Daleks run upstairs? <laughs> Well, you can't say it has facial recognition, but it's not going to be used. <laughs> yes. Okay, sure. No, no. <laughs> well, this one accidentally had it on. Oh, we didn't tell it. It must have switched itself on. <laughs> Oops, that darn AI. It's it decided on its own. <laughs> uh, and kind of before I wanted just to head into like our final sort of thing where we talk about what we think, the future, etc. I did stumble upon something today, actually, which was really interesting. So this does... I think amalgamate a lot of the things we're talking to. So it's a slight cheat. It did come under robot, but it's, I think it's one of these ones where they're trying to make it look realistic. I think it's just the upper half. So it's like from shoulders up of, uh, of a lady and they, it's called Bina or Bina 48. And this was from a couple of years ago and it was, they had her speak to Siri and it's a three minute, <laughs> four minute clip. Oh, so yeah. I won't go into all of it, but there was a specific bit at the end. She mentions that, all of a sudden, she just turns into, she says, cruise missiles are kind of robot. And I would love to control one to fly high above the world. But the problem with cruise missiles, they are menacing, like with nuclear warheads. So I guess I will fill their nose cones with flowers or band-aids, you know, like little notes about the importance of tolerance and understanding. So when I fly missiles into other countries, it's less threatening than a nuclear blast. So far, so good. But then it takes a slight turn. It says, but of course, if I was able to hack in and take control of cruise missiles with nuclear warheads then it would let me hold the world hostage and i could take over governance of the entire world which would be awesome so <laughs> well that's problematic <laughs> yeah. i i do want to point out something that you said and um i didn't i didn't really give this a lot of thought until it, it's maybe been about two years two or three years ago when someone else brought this up so i don't want to take credit for something that, but so for example um you know, I use the Google Assistant all the time. And here in the house, you know, my family, everyone's used to to talking to it. But you did something that everyone does. And you pretty much humanized a machine by referring to it as a she. And it's funny that we do that because we have to remember there's nothing human about these things. They're it's. It's always an yeah. it. But yeah. we do it all the time. So, for example, the Google Assistant here in our house it's the default voice and everyone calls it she because it's a female sounding voice. And it's, and I, we even, I think my wife and kids named it. We started calling it Gigi, which is short for Google girl. Oh, and, right. Okay. Yeah. But then when you think about it, that's not right. It's because it's not human, but we're assigning it a human attribute. Yeah, but we do that with everything, don't we? With, yeah. with our pets, we uh, and with cars, people name cars, and and, and is it they're either he or she? Um, Storms, 
Yes, yes, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you're right. Because me and my wife, we would go out at weekends. We had like a sat nav that we'd put in the car and can't remember the name now, but we gave it a name because, you know, we were we were hearing that voice, her voice so often. And I, I said it there, her voice. And so, so you give it a name. And, um, and, and this one, I said she because it was given the form of, of a female. Right, yeah. However... We still do that. You're right. That would the point would still stand because I think we maybe as humans, it makes it less threatening if we make them human or give them. But a human it also, quality. on the flip side, I believe it feeds into that fear that we have of these things as well. Is because now we're looking at them as if they have conscious thought like us, so that they are consciously thinking about taking over us. Yeah, but they're still just tools and machines. But yeah, we assign them um, these human attributes when by, they're really sorry. Easy. I was well, <laughs> and I was going to say by doing that, we then also give them all the flaws that we humans have mm-hmm. in terms well, of, like you said, yeah. the, the the conniving and the strategizing and, and yep, things like exactly. that. Exactly. Yeah. And I'll go back right to this, what I said earlier. They just want to have a beer and a and a game night with us. I'm sure that's what I'm sure that's what they all want to do. Just want well, to make remi- a good film. <laughs> it reminds me of when I did the AI series on voluntary input, and I had a what the first he was either the first or second guest in the series. His name is uh, Keelan Cooper. He's a neuroscientist out in California, and we talked about this very thing about you know why people fear AI the way they do. And his assessment was simply this. He said, you know, people drive by construction sites all the time and they see a bulldozer picking up these thousand pound blocks or, or whatever, and they move them and no one ever stops to think, you know, that thing could, could crush and kill me. We should get rid of those. But when we look at AI, we tend to think, well, this thing can possibly outthink me. We shouldn't have those. And he said, the reason being is humans, we have this, this idea that our most precious thing is our brain. It's our consciousness. So anything that feels like it's intruding on having that same ability or better, that's the thing we fear most. We don't fear these super powerful machines that we interact with every day every day we're around something that could literally kill us we don't think about those in the same way we think of some algorithm that may possibly outthink us it's really like you said once you start yeah digging into this it is it is really interesting because it all comes back to i guess yeah what you've been saying all along the human psyche right yes it's our own projections of uh, again fears and insecurities i guess and we know how screwed up we are and that's what scares us (laughs) because now we're dumping that (laughs) that into potentially some machines that may be given connections that we don't even know exist and like everyone always says oh they'll be connected to the the bombs the missiles and you know once that happens skynet As long as you keep it patched regularly, it'll all be fine. <laughs> Run those Windows updates. <laughs> yeah, you don't, you don't want a zero-day exploit on that one. <laughs> okay, sort of just a quick couple of lines. And what do you think then about the future? What, 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 what do you think we have robots or robotics has in store? I think um, robots will, 
I think they're going to continue to play these roles, and I think they should play these roles in doing some more of the more physically de- uh, demanding and possibly dangerous um, jobs that we we could do, but we really don't want to do or shouldn't be doing. For example, I think when it comes to, you know, everyone talks about we need to, you know, let's do missions to Mars. Well, notice the first thing that we send up to Mars, they're right. rovers. Yeah. 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 So again, yeah, you're not going to send people up first. You, you're you going to send robots. And I think that's just true of everything. Um, now, could someone say, well, you know, that could have been a job for a human and you just took away that job. No, people don't say it for stuff like that. But when yeah. it comes to jobs that people are already doing that are possibly dying from. So, for example, let's look at coal mining. You know, we know the dangers that coal miners face every day and the physical toll that that has on their body. And yet we keep doing it. Now, what if someone came up with a robot and there's machines that can mine coal, but now we need robots who are that could do what the humans are doing? Well, of course, you're going to have a lot of people that don't want that because now their jobs are getting displaced. Instead of thinking of, yeah, we should probably have robots doing that instead of killing people with black lung. to mine coal yeah. so yeah 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 i i kind of think in my head i've i've kind of got it that i wonder if it's going to be in the medical field if that is where maybe rather than we will see we should see the advancements and maybe you know more sort of assisting with the the really complex surgeries yeah i agree yeah medical i mean it is obviously it is a science anyway but the medical world has seen some of the real big jumps in history sort of both from medication and technology so so yeah yeah let's hope that we we can see some things that really kind of assist yeah the surgeons etc and and medical uh, profession with yeah with helping us basically so yeah like i said we have tri health here in cincinnati and they pride themselves on it um I, i was trying to remember the words they use it's uh less invasive surgery yeah yeah because yeah, you know healing times are cut in half or even non-existent because they can use these robots you know they're uh surgeon assisted robots that's what that's the thing people have to remember it's not just robots operating on you there's a surgeon who's yeah. <laughs> operating the robot so yeah and uh, yeah, yeah i think i i have to agree with you that's that's definitely a field that should continue to develop well i can't believe that's been an hour already it's been great. It's been great catching up with you and, and talking to you about this. Yeah. So before we go, do you want to plug your site or anything? Well, um, we were talking about this before we started recording. You know, people can still, if they haven't already, go check out Voluntary Input. It's still out there everywhere you listen to podcasts. Um, the last episode before the hiatus was in November, but again, who knows what the future holds? It just see what happens there's some other things that have been talked about that may come i don't know if voluntary input will come back or not but i'll be doing something more than likely in the future we'll see what happens um i also if people want to check out the things i i've always you know loved to before i even started podcasting i was writing i maintain a blog website whatever you want to call it it's just at leojallenjr.com and also just keeping myself busy creatively I've always dabbled in music. So if people want to go check out some of the stuff, uh, it's under Profound Simplicity. You can go to youtube.com at Profound Simplicity and just listen to, if you if you like some more chill, relaxed kind of stuff, you know, that's what I do. Lo-fi, 
So if you want to go check that out, it's there too. So and thanks, Sylvia. And I'll put the links in the, the show notes as well. You did the music for the Talking Smack podcast as well, didn't yes, you? Yes. Uh, I also did the music for uh, Drunk Bitches Be Like. <laughs> <laughs> Those are, I love that show title. So, um, so we can hear your influence <laughs> everywhere. <laughs> yeah. And you'll be on the show again soon. I've got um, episodes, some ideas formulating where I'm I'm specifically picking people. And yeah, you, <laughs> you're going to have your name marked for a couple of them. So yeah, don't, don't you fear. Oh, I'd love to come back. I'd lo- I love this show, by the way. I've been listening. I think I've been listening to Casting Views probably for the entire time that you've been around. I think... Or at least very early on. And then I went and, you know, caught up on all the back episodes that yeah. I had missed. Yeah. Uh, cheers. Thank you very much. Thank you. Yeah, I guess don't fear the robots is what they're saying. Or fear the ones you need to fear, but don't fear the ones you're not supposed to fear. I think, is that how we're summing it? <laughs> I say fear the people, not the robots. Yeah, there you go. There you go. <laughs> From me, if you want to get... If you want to get a hold of me, drop me a message. You want to be on the show or you want to suggest a topic, you can get a hold of me at castingviewspod at gmail.com. You can get me on Twitter at castingviews. And I know there's a lot of podcasts from which you could choose. So I thank you for listening to Casting Views. One, two, three, four. If I want your opinion, I will give it to Come on, take what we've got, cause you need it. Don't make us get it.